You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. All right, good morning, everybody. It's uh, great to be together on this Sunday morning. Uh, today, we're going to be studying out the book of Luke as we continue our series out of Luke, and it's called The Foundation for a New Community, Lessons from Luke on Racism, Classism, and Sexism. I'll be honest, uh, usually I'm pretty comfortable uh, speaking and being able to do a sermon, but today is especially, uh, I'm a little nervous uh, because of all that has been going on in our nation uh, over the last few weeks, and um, it is a very difficult time for many uh, African-American brothers and sisters and just black people in general. Um, it's been a profoundly painful experience uh, for so many, and as I hear the stories and I'm learning myself of just all the pain that has been uh, going on for many, many centuries. And I hope that today, as we do the lessons out of Luke, that we'll really learn from Jesus, from God's Word, on how to really manage and how to really walk through this time together in this very pivotal moment in, in our country's history. You know, uh, Shimon Peres, uh, the Israeli Prime Minister, said this. He said that television has made a dictatorship impossible but a democracy unbearable. And what he meant by that was that uh, because of technology, because of the cell phone, its ability to record things live and to show it to the whole world, that it will become virtually impossible for anyone to take over a country and to be a dictator. And we can apply that even to today in terms of racism or things that we see, social injustice, that the cell phone has become ubiquitous and it has the capacity to record things live and for people to see. And yet, at the same time, he says that it will also make a democracy, a society, unbearable. And it's hard. It is hard to see all the things that are going on in our country today, live, and this minute by minute, blow by blow, and just to be able to see uh, what is going on. And it's caused a lot of uh, pain and suffering uh, in the black community, but I think also in the white community as well, as we think about what's going on, and how do we reconcile our history together. You know, I, I myself, when I saw the video of George Floyd, it was painful to see, obviously, what happened to Mr. Floyd and being uh, snuffed out like that. But at the same time, I saw all the aspects of the different things that were going on. I saw an Asian-American police officer stand uh, by, and I felt ashamed of that, and not because of just that one person, but I felt also that it is in some ways indicative of Asians in America, that we have been idly standing by. And hopefully this time will be a monumental shift in the thinking for all people in our country. You know, we can say that the cell phones have made blatant racism impossible, uh, but society uncomfortable. And at this time, I think we need to be uh, discomforted in terms of re really rethinking our society and how to make it better and to look deep within our own hearts on our own racism and our own biases as well and to learn from scriptures on how to really change and repent from that. You know, speaking as an Asian American, I'll be honest, one of the things that I hate to hear when I when I see it on the television, when I hear even people saying to me is uh, go back to your country as we can tell by this cartoon here, it is really, um, to me, that comment is very 
ignorance of really the reality of the United States itself. I, I think as an immigrant here from Vietnam, I think America is one of the greatest countries in the world. And uh, one thing that makes it great is the uniqueness of the different cultures that make it uh, what it is today. And I think it's ignorant as well uh, when people say that, not realizing that we are in so many ways all immigrants here to the United States of America, as the cartoon points out. Even in this caption here, it shows a man in overalls, red hair, and racism doesn't have a particular person in mind, that we can be totally different. We can be a, a professor. We can be anyone who's uh, out of, you wouldn't even tell, but uh, racism is in the heart, and uh, it is not relegated only to this particular picture here. Here's another caption. They're really the only people uh, in the United States that probably even have a claim to uh, being uh, indigenous are the indigenous uh, people population here in California and throughout the, the United States. So to me, racism is rampant. It's all over. It's all in our hearts. It's not relegated to one people, one race, or anyone like that. I know as an Asian American, our Asian Chinese people have our own racism to deal with as well. But the thing that's really unique about this moment is not just the racism in terms of words or in terms of putting someone down or saying some derogatory uh, language, using derogatory language, but it's been really profound to watch what's been going on in America today. And this stat really is very indicative. It is uh, put out by the uh, USC University uh, study, and it shows that in the Bay Area, uh, Per 100,000 incidents of police and uh, incidents, that black people and Latino people, but particularly uh, black people, have a higher rate, three times the average of violence used uh, against them. And that tells you a little bit of something about our society in which black people really do feel like they are picked on. As an Asian American, again, sure. I mean, there are racism uh, and there are words, uh, as we looked at earlier. But I'll be honest, it's not the extent of what black people have gone through uh, over these last four centuries. And for me, I, I, I cannot understand uh, the profoundness of just how deep uh, African-Americans are feeling as they watch these people being killed in front of their eyes. And I can imagine that they see their children's faces uh, on these people as well. So it's deep. It's hurtful. And it goes very, very uh, far. So I want to look at this just as an indication of the changes that people want to make, especially African-Americans. But really, as you look at the protest around the country, uh, it's not just African-Americans, but I think uh, America has woken up to this as well. You know, Malcolm X said that if you stick a knife in the back uh, nine inches, in my back, nine inches, and pull it out six inches, that's not progress. If you pull it out all the way, that's not progress. The progress comes from healing the wound that the blow made. They haven't even begun to pull the knife out. They won't even admit that the knife is in there. And I think that's what a lot of people feel, a lot of African-American feel. And hence, Black Lives Matters is not exclusive of all lives matters, but they're making a point. 
as I've grown to understand, and I'll be very frank as well, it took me a while to get that, to really understand that. Black people are saying that our lives matter. And in the history where we've seen in the history books, in, in the way that they've been treated, that they are making this demand that we understand that black life, lives matter. And I think that's a profound statement to make. In the history of the civil rights movements and in the movement for African Americans to win their rights, there have been a confluence, perhaps, of these two men at a point. They did not start off that way. Martin Luther King started off uh, with the idea of peaceful uh, protest. Malcolm X took the other route in terms of really doesn't believe in the approach that Martin Luther King took. But in later, uh, in, in a later time of their lives, they converged a little bit. And uh, this book talks about that. Martin, Malcolm, and America. There are different approaches to really handling what injustices uh, is in our lives, but in our society as well. You know, a lot of times we are uncomfortable as uh, we talk about these issues because they, it is uncomfortable. We're bringing things up that are very deep and very profound. And sometimes we think, well, that's, that's you know, it's too much. Or, well, that's not, I want, I want a safe place uh, to come to. And that is certainly true. We need a safe place. The safest place is our church where we can be open about our hurts and we can be open and we can listen to one another and try to understand one another. But this notion that church and the Bible and is a Pollyanna kind of scenario, it's not true at all. As the New Testament church were forming together, we read this in Galatians chapter 2. When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, Paul, because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy, so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. This is the leader of the church, and even he was afraid of what people were thinking and was prone to to cliques, if you will. Paul had the audacity and the courage to challenge him to his face. And to Peter's credit, he repented as well. But as we read the Bible, it takes time for people to get there. Okay, And I'm always amazed when, you know, how far into the book of Acts did Peter utter these words, that um, that God does not show favoritism, that I now realize. And sometimes it takes people time to, to really understand. You know, Jesus was never afraid of confronting or engaging in the racism of his day. When he met the Samaritan woman, she certainly knew the rules. The Bible says in John 4 that the Samaritan woman uh, said to him on one of these excursions by Jesus from uh, Samaria, uh, from uh, Galilee down to uh, Jerusalem, that you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And that's not from the woman, but that's just a little side commentary from the writer of John. That everyone knows that Jews and Samaritans do not associate with one another another because they have a history and they have a bad history. And these Samaritans were half-breed Jews and the Jews looked down on them. 
The Samaritans, on the other hand, had a lot of resentment towards the Jews because what they did to their own temple uh, about 150 years back. So there's bad blood uh, between these two groups. Well, did Jesus not know the rules of his day? Uh, did he not understand these were the, 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 the rules that you play by? He knew exactly what it was. And yet, to Jesus' credit, he engaged a woman. And I think that's what we need to do today, is as we think about all these things that's going around us. And we can choose to kind of go back into our shell. We can choose to deny some of the things that we see, or we can engage with people that are not like us. You know, this is a, a map of uh, Galilee, and uh, you'll see that it's it's kind of like going through a bad neighborhood, separating Jerusalem and Galilee was Samaria. And a lot of people at that time, if they had to go to Jerusalem, they would choose to go around Samaria. They would take the long routes and avoid it altogether. But not Jesus. Jesus directly went through. And as he met that woman, he broke the barriers, not only in so many ways, not only racially, but uh, in, in a in a gender um, way as well. You know, Jesus challenged the racism of his day by challenging the hearts of those who would follow him by asking them to bear the burdens of those not like them. Jesus wasn't just about words. He really challenged people. He challenged their hearts. You know, I think about the history of America and all the things that, all the great words that have been written down. Even in the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, so many great documents in our history. And yet, at the same time, I, I do feel that we have not lived up to some of those great aspirations that we wrote about as we founded our, our country. And Jesus knew that it goes beyond just the laws. It took a civil war where we've lost so many people in, in the country, more than perhaps all the other wars combined in, in the U.S. Uh, history. But yet, it takes more than just laws to change what's really in the heart. Laws are there because the heart is not there at times. So Jesus wants us to change our hearts in this area. We're going to look at a story here in Luke chapter 9. And um, the Bible says this. He was going through Samaria again. And he says, as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven... Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem and he sent messengers on ahead. He went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. You know, Jesus at this time was a well-known figure. Jesus was a revolutionary. He changed things wherever he went. He caused people to really think about their lives. And yet when he went through Samaria, he was not welcome there because of what? Because he was resolute on going to Jerusalem. Although they knew who he was, they expected him to change. They expected him to change things according to what they saw fit. And to them, Jesus was nothing more than a disappointment. You know, Jesus is disappointing, to be honest, when you read the Bible um, to many people. Because he didn't do what people expected him to do. He didn't change things that the way that he, uh, that, that they would like him to change. I think about John the Baptist. So John the Baptist himself said, you know, are you the guy? Or should I wait for someone else? I know that we're family. I know that we're cousins. 
but I'm in jail. Is this thing supposed to be playing out the way it is now? Or should I wait for someone else? You know, God's ways are not our ways. And as we look for change, and we must accept the fact that we need to do it God's way. And that's hard for a lot of us to hear because we want change now, and especially if we've been waiting for a long time. But yet, God's way is the way. As I said earlier, it's more than just setting a bunch of laws or rules that people really will follow, but in their hearts won't. Jesus was after the whole thing. He wanted the hearts of men and women to change. In the next passage here, this is really something that I want to talk about and really is the crux of this passage here. So the Samaritans, who were half-breeds, did not accept Jesus. Jesus, already in Luke chapter 9, at the beginning of the chapter, gave instructions, and perhaps he says, hey, if a city does not accept you, shake the dust off your feet and move on. But here we find two disciples who took it upon themselves to exact, or wanting to exact punishment on a people that were perhaps not like them. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? You know, who who are they? Who are they to have that kind of audacity? To say, you know, these people, uh, they're they're not they're not listening. Let's just nuke them. Let's just get rid of them from the face of the earth. And when I read this passage here, it just makes me think about just the brutality that has happened. That human beings are capable of inflicting upon another human being. And I think that how do we do that really reveals the heart that is within us. Hey, I get this passage. You know, when I think about this passage here, I I tell you, I when I see the injustice, I also feel a tendency towards violence. And I, I came from a country where uh, we fought a civil war and we were the only nation that really uh, fought against a great superpower like the United States and kicked them out. And here's, here's the sentiment of Ho Chi Minh at that time. Looking at overwhelming odds, he says, you can kill 10 of our men for every one we kill of yours. But even at those odds, you will lose and we will win. So this is the tenacity of people that want their freedom. This is the tenacity of people that says, listen, we are not giving up. And you can bomb us back to the Stone Age, as one of the generals said in, in the Vietnam War. But he says we will still win. There is an inner desire for freedom and dignity. And no one's going to take that away from anybody. You know, Vietnam was uh, one of the most bombed nations on the face of the earth. Um, Nagasaki, Hiroshima are two Asian countries, two Asian cities that were, that have experienced, the only two cities that have experienced nuclear holocausts. The tiny country of Laos um, suffered bombings. More bombs were dropped in that tiny little country and in Vietnam than the totality of World War II. Can you imagine that? You know, what What allows us to do something like this is beyond me. 
You know, I appreciate Ali. I've always appreciated his stance during the Vietnam War. Why should they ask me to put on a uniform and go 10,000 miles from home and drop bombs and bullets on brown, yellow people in Vietnam while so-called Negro people in Louisiana, in Louisville are treated like dogs and denied simple human rights? So there are people that this is a just cause. It is normal. It is natural for people to fight for their dignity. You know, one of the sisters in one of our um, devotional last week talked about why was the cross used in, in hate symbols? And I think religion is a dangerous thing that we can use. We can justify ourselves by using religion as something that condemn other people. And many things have been done in the name of religion that have been just flat out awful. Here are three things that I think Jesus tells us in the book of Luke, what we can do. Number one, as we saw earlier from uh, Luke chapter 9, that the Bible says this. The Bible says, but Jesus turned to John and James and says, and he rebuked them. Jesus called out racism in his day. He did not let it slide. He did not say, oh, okay, they're, they're going to figure this out. He called them out. And as we approach this moment in our time as well, as we're more understanding, getting to understand more of our society, let's really have the courage when we see something. Let's do it gently. Jesus was quite bad. Let's do gently, lovingly, but let's call people out. Let's call ourselves out as well in the words that we use. Number two, you know, Jesus did something amazing. He painted a different picture of the Samaritans. You know, when we look at media today, it's so easy to see things that are painted a certain way. And I appreciate Jesus. He told the story of the Samaritans and he painted them in a light that was positive. He painted them in a light that was constructive. Speaking about the ten lepers that were healed, Jesus said this, as one of them, the Bible says this is in Luke chapter 17. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. You know, I think as we look at each other, let's do what Jesus did. He recasted people in a different light. He saw people in a different light and he told the stories about them in a different light. In Luke chapter 17 and verse 17, he continues as Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Were all, uh, where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. And this light is making me sweat. You know, as we close on out, we, we talk about just calling things out. We talked about painting and looking at people in a different light. Let me close out by reading the scripture in Luke about the Good Samaritan. He challenged them to go beyond just feeling bad. You know, I know a lot of us, myself included, we're all feeling bad. We cannot help as a human being to look at some of these pictures to feel bad. But Jesus challenged us to go beyond just feeling bad. In the book of Luke, in chapter 10, he says, In reply, Jesus was talking to a Pharisee, a, a religious person. 
He says, in reply, Jesus says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. You know what's passing by? The news cycle. We don't see the protest as much as we did at the beginning days of what happened to George Floyd. And in the months and years to come, perhaps, you know, the news cycles will die down even more. And it's going to be easy for us to just pass on the other side. I think this is a really incredible moment in our history. And Jesus teaches us to take it beyond what we're just feeling right now. You know, it's not a coincidence that Jesus used a priest or a Levite. Sometimes we think that, well, these things are, we separate these things. And, and rightly so, to a degree. We think that, well, this is politics. This is something different. And I love this quote from Johnny Cash. He says, come, heed me, my brothers. Come, heed, come and all. Don't brag about standing or you will surely fall. You're shining your lights and you shine if you, and, and shine uh, it, you should. But you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. I was going to sing this, but I think we're recording this, so I'll never be recorded singing. He says, if you're holding heaven, then spread it. Uh, if you're holding heaven, then spread it around. There's hungry hands reaching up here from the ground. Moreover, and share the high ground where you stood. So heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. And that's sadly in some ways is an accusation towards people that believe in God, that we don't do enough. This is a great opportunity for us to really change this. And I hope that we really make some decisions as well. As we continue in the story of the Great Samaritan here, look what it says. It says, But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where this man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. We know this story. We've heard it many times. And what is Jesus saying? He's saying, look, we need to go beyond just feeling bad. We need to really take the extra step. This is the time, brothers and sisters. This is the time to really look inside ourselves, look at our society, and really make that change. I want to close out with this picture here, and I found this in one of Gabby's book, my daughter. She's eight years old. And it's a great picture of the great uh, of the Good Samaritan, and it shows a black man carrying a person who was beaten on the road. This is such a great picture. I think we need to recast how we see race, how we see ourselves, how we see society. Amen. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. 
For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.